want to welcome you here today to First Christian Church, and I think we are in for a treat. My adopted nephew from Haiti is with us today. Wilkie and his wife Marissa are here, and it's been uh, good just to spend a little, a little extra time with them these past 24 hours. Thirteen years ago, Wilkie became part of our family. Uh, my brother and his wife, Debbie, we have two Debbies in our family, and that's kind of confusing too, but we've been able to work through that. But they adopted um, Wilkie, and he came to America, and God did a number on him. I would have never guessed 13 years ago that my nephew, Wilkie Clark, would be standing up in front of people, sharing his vision for his village. He's been back about 20 times. He's going again in January, and I know that some of you have already signed up and are considering making that trip with him. Marissa has just been part of our family for five years. They married five years ago. She's still trying to figure out our family, and it will take her a while. They have a three-year-old daughter, the love of their life. When you go to Haiti with Wilkie, you go to the village. You become a Haitian for seven or 10 days. And what I would like to do after I pray before he comes is kind of show you a glimpse of the village where he grew up. He's been back. He's built buildings. He's helped construct wells. He's developed chicken ranches for the people there. His story is amazing. Let's pray. Then we'll watch. Then Wilkie will come. Father God, I thank you for this day and I thank you so much so much for the way you can come into our life and turn it upside down. I thank you for Wilkie, for what he means to me, my family. Thank you, more importantly, for what he means to you. And I pray your blessing on him, his marriage, his parenting, his mission. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for having uh, us, uh, my wife and I. It was a wonderful drive. Uh, man, we are so grateful to be here, and you guys are very, very friendly. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful church. Um, uh, I said earlier, I didn't know my uncle was so funny. Uh, he's, uh, he's pretty funny. I don't know if you guys, uh, I mean, you probably realize it, but he's very, very funny. We're, so, we're just grateful to be here. And as he said, my name is uh, Wilkie Clark. Um, I'm from Haiti. I was adopted uh, about 13 years ago. Uh, Haiti uh, is a poor country. And I was one of the poorest kid in my village. Uh, my mom didn't have a lot. Um, I met my dad for the first time when I was 20 years old. Uh, when he found out that my mom was pregnant with me, he gave her an ultimatum to either have an abortion, otherwise he would leave. In spite of the difficult decisions that my mom had to make, she decided to have me. Uh, my family and my dad's side told my mom not to worry about him leaving, that they would be there for her in the time of need. But when, I was, when my mom was ready to deliver me, they were nowhere to be found. My mom had no income, no job to take me to the hospital to be, uh, for me to be born. And so she delivered me by herself under a tree. My mom had eight kids, two passed away. She tried to send the oldest to school, but she didn't have enough money to send me. Because in Haiti, you have to pay to go to school. It was, 
extremely difficult for her, for her to feed all of us. She knew a janitor that worked at a large school, and his job was to gather all the leftovers after the kids were done eating for his pigs. So my, my mom asked him, hey, can I have some leftovers as well? He thought for sure she had pigs, but the leftovers were actually for us kids. And the place we were renting at the time, um, my mom couldn't pay the rent when rent was due. So the landlord started arguing with her, and it, and it was about to become a, a fist fight. And people in the village started to gather around and wondering what was going on. Uh, before, they were about to fight, and she said, ain't you embarrassed that you're feeding your kids leftovers from kids? And, and you're feeding your kids pig food. And we all, and we are all embarrassed. I've never seen my mom cry so much until that day. She decided that she didn't want to go back to the school and grab leftovers. She started sleeping with men for money. She became a prostitute. We were named the prostitute family in our neighborhood. And one day, she and I were talking, and I said, Mom, you don't have to go sleep with men for money. We can go the whole day without food. Tears came out of our eyes and said to me that she loves us way too much to let us go the whole day without food. And she would often say to me, Wilkie, I know you're not going to school right now, but someday you'll graduate high school. I didn't tell her this, but I thought she was crazy because I was nine years old and I never stepped a foot at a school. And when the kids in the village would ask me, why am I not going to school? I actually would go back to my house and stayed inside it because I felt embarrassed when they would ask me, why am I not going to school? The truth is, I didn't really have a good answer when they asked. I just walked away and went back home. The house I was living in had no electricity, no running water, no bathroom. Every night, I had to put cotton in my ears because of bugs. One night, the man my mom was sleeping with, she, he got so mad at her, it got so violent that he grabbed a big rod in the floor and hit her in her temple. She died immediately. That was the darkest hours of my life. For her funeral, we had to go door to door to get as many change, donations as we could get to bury her. In Haiti, we called that buried like a dog. After her funeral, I had nowhere to go. My family didn't want me, so I started sleeping outside. I'd go under trees. And when it would rain, I would go under people's porch, and I would wake up early in the morning so they wouldn't see me. And it was hard for me to eat because I was young, so I started eating mud. It didn't taste very good. I would put mud in a little bowl. I would put water, and I would mix it up together, and I would eat it. It didn't taste very good, but I wanted to survive. And another thing I used to do, I used to go to wedding receptions and wait after everybody was done eating and I would, after they throw away all their chicken bones, I would go in the trash and grab chicken bones and eat them. As life got harder and harder. Actually, when I came back to the United States, I had to have surgery because, uh, because all the mud that I had eaten when I was in Haiti. And the doctor said, if you, had, if you hadn't had this surgery, by the time you were 30, you would have you died. So as life got harder and harder... I decided to move with my grandma. 
she treated me like a slave. I would carry bucket of water in my head for from miles away uh, because there's no well in people uh, in people's yard. There's no there's no faucet. There's none of that. So and whatever I did for her was never good enough. And one day I was in the forest and I got bit by a bunch of bees and 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 my my face looked like a balloon. And she didn't even care to take me to the hospital. And um, as I was walking around the neighborhood, I met a guy named John. He took me to his house and, and fed me. He bought me clothes, shoes, and things to cut my hair. And not only that, he would encourage me. He would say, Wilkie, just because today is a bad day doesn't mean tomorrow won't be better. I had an older brother who abused me. He would tie me up and lay me on the, in the sun for hours it felt like it was eternity. I had an ant that nicknamed me a snail. Basically, it's a small bug that's in the floor that walked slowly. And she said I would never become anything. I'd probably die. I, I, I'll be in a gang. I, she always put me down. But one day, as I was hungry and I started walking around the neighborhood barefooted, and I saw a group of missionary uh, standing by a small clinic, and I was hungry that day, so I decided to go uh, ask him for candy. I didn't speak English. As I got there, I saw a lady, and she kept smiling at me. I thought, well, it's kind of weird. Um, because, uh, to me, it was weird because I've never had anybody smile so big at me before. And she told the rest of the group that she wanted to adopt me. They thought she was crazy. She sa- uh, they said, you can't just... This is your first day in Haiti. This is your first time in Haiti. You can't just decide to adopt a child. And then they came back to the United States. Uh, in the meantime, I was playing basketball, and I broke my leg. And my family took me to the worst hospital in Haiti because it was a free hospital. And uh, the bed I was laying on, there was another guy that had... Um, he had been shot. He was in a gang, and he got shot. And the gang members found out that he was still alive and came to the hospital and shot him right next to me. And the hospital closed down. All the doctors left. I hadn't seen a doctor for two weeks. My mom came and lived with me. My adoptive mom came and lived with me for nine months while my dad was in America working hard, making phone calls to get me out of Haiti. The government, the Haitian government told my parents to give up, to don't even worry about it. We'll never let that boy go, uh, come to America. The, the Haitian government and the American government, I remember one day my mom was sitting down with an American officials, and he said that, you know, people have been the children in Haiti all the time. You don't even have to worry about it. People won't go after you. We won't go after you. Don't even worry about it. But we will never let that child Go to come to America. But one thing the government officials didn't realize is that my parents are a people of faith. They believe in God. They were praying. Central Christian Church were praying for me. This church was praying. Even though they said I would never come to America, but here I am. In 2000 and, uh, uh, October 15, 2004, God made a way I came to America. And sixth grade was the first time I ever enrolled in school. I had never, I had no idea what the teachers were talking about. But as the month and years went by, I got better and better. 
I, I really didn't want to go back to Haiti because of all the abuse, all the mistreated, all the hunger that uh, when I was little. And I just suffered so much. I really didn't want to go back. But God began to deal with me and said, you know, you, you need to go back and help your people. And um, so I started mowing lawn. I, st- I did corn detasseling. Does anybody know corn detasseling? It's basically it's so hot in the field. Um, you know, half of the kids quit by the, by the first day, but I stayed there. I wanted to uh, uh, gather as, many, as much as possible so I can build a home for John, uh, my friend, who helped me when life was difficult. And uh, people heard about my, my idea. They got so excited about it. And then we gathered enough money. And in 2006, I went back to Haiti and built John a full bedroom house because he helped me so much when life was difficult. And I really wanted to help more, so I got a job. I sent kids to school. I would go to Haiti and buy groceries uh, for families. And uh, at, while I was at work, um, I got the bad news that Haiti had been hit by a massive earthquake. And um, unfortunately, I lost one of my brothers as well. And um, I took that opportunity. I stood in front of my high school and challenged the kids to help me raise money. And together, we raised about 3000 um, the church I attend uh, raised about 7000 I went back to Haiti and built two homes for two of the victims. And one of the, lady, uh, uh, one of the ladies that I built a house for, her name is Wozmat. She used to do the same thing my, my mom did. She used to sleep with men for money. So I was talking to John about a way to create a business so, so that I can give to people so they can... Um, have an income. So we came up with the idea of a chicken farm. So a chicken farm is basically uh, you build a building for a thousand and then uh, you buy 300 chickens, you buy the food. And then, um, so, so far I've built about five chicken farms. And one of the chicken farms, I give it to the lady named Rosemont. And now she doesn't sleep with men for money anymore. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, last year, one of her kids, uh, graduate now is a big kid. He graduated from college, and she has about three more that's going to high school. And um, so, and so far, I've dug about three wells. I've, I've built about five homes. And uh, wh- I was laying down at my parents' house. Actually, when I came to America, uh, uh, the government wrote my parent, um, sent my parents a letter, and it's, it was a it was a long letter listing all the reason why they wouldn't let me come to America. But I was already here, laying in my parents' cars, uh, drinking hot chocolate. So um, as I was laying in my parents' uh, couch, I got a phone call uh, from my sister because all of, all of my, my mom's children, we, we're from different dads. And uh, she said, Wilkie, you won't believe it. Your dad's in Haiti. And I haven't seen him in 20 years. I got so excited. I thought this phone call was going to be one of the greatest phone calls I've ever made. I even wrote a speech, what I was going to say, that I'm so excited to see you. Uh, I can't wait to hang out with you. So I called him up, and um, it was just the opposite. He didn't want to talk to me at all. He blamed me for this, for that. Um, so I was very disappointed. And, and uh, my adoptive dad uh, asked me what was, go- what was going on. I asked why I called my dad. And uh, he didn't really want to talk to me at all. Then, um, so he knew that I was disappointed. Um, I almost cried. Uh, but he wrote me a letter. And um, I want to share it to you. It says, um, Wilkie, my son, I am not your biological father, 
but I am your blessed dad. I am the blessed dad, along with your mom, got to lay everything on the line to make you part of our family. I am the blessed dad who got to watch you play ba- basketball in, in, high, in middle school and high school. I'm the blessed dad who got to baptize you. I'm the blessed dad who got to watch you go back to Haiti and build houses and chicken farms for people in need. I am the blessed dad who cries with pride every time I hear you speak to crowd large and small. I am the blessed dad who's, who saw you graduate now and studying hard in, in college. I am the blessed dad, truly blessed to have you as my son. I believed in you. And I, I believe the, the best is yet to come. When I read that, I felt like I was worth a million dollars. I, uh, he, he probably at that time didn't even realize how much this letter would have meant to, would mean to me, but um, I, carry, I share that story wherever I go because even though my bio, biological dad didn't want to be in my life, but I'm so grateful to have a, a mom and a dad who love me very much. I'm now married. I have a beautiful daughter. I never dreamed I would be where I am today. I never dreamed that I would graduate high school. But in 2011, I graduated from Bullock Memorial High School. What my mom had said when I was nine years old came to pass. I never, man, it, it's, it's so great. And, and I couldn't be where I am today without God. I'm the first person in my family's history to ever graduate high school. And um, so, so far, um, I, wanted, I wanted to to build um, an orphanage. And um, I, I thought for sure that, you know, maybe 2018 that it was going to happen. Uh, but in the past couple of years, I've, uh, uh, me and my team, we, we helped sponsor about uh, close to 50 kids that are now going to school. And, um, and five months ago, I, I opened an orphanage. And uh, we have, we have uh, six boys, now seven boys. Uh, we have uh, six employees and two tutors and equal to eight. Um, and next year, I'm going back uh, to Haiti to uh, work in the orphanage and uh, build a school, build more chicken farms. Um, and I'm hoping that some of you will join us. Thank you.